It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, my, my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Hey, it's Michelle and some of our team ready to knock it out of the park today where we talk about sports, news stories, some of the weird gossip, and we dig a little deeper looking for the God story. If there's a God, what's he doing in all of this and what does he expect of us? And yeah, there's even a God story in the sports realm because sports is almost an analogy for life, that struggle. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but what are you really playing for and how do you really win in the end? Let me introduce you to the team today. Now, you know how this works. Sometimes we have guys coming in, dropping off. It's a crazy show, but let me just get the guys we got on ready to bat today we have with us brent r baker your walk on song photographer brent r baker and then we have with us joshua mcmillan Wookiee of the year josh mcmillan (laughs) and then there's me i'm michelle don't stand too close. She may put out your eye with a gleam of her smile. Here's Michelle. Here's the gang. Glad to have you guys with us today. Another fun time. I love this time of sports. It's absolute football weather, right? Which, how can you go wrong with that? It is hockey, and I've been going to a lot of cracking games. And look, I told you, see what I told you about people just popping on out of nowhere? We're also going to get paying today. Get ready to get. (laughs) Yeah, our buddy, Garrick Pang, who is a pastor, a coach, chaplain, and oh my gosh, so much more. Glad you could join in the mix. Guys, I was just saying it's one of my favorite times of year. We have baseball, football, soccer, unless you're in Seattle. (coughs) Sorry, Garrick. And and hockey. I'm in Arizona right now. I'm on my way to the airport. I'm actually playing in my own soccer, not my own, but playing in a soccer tournament. Congratulations, because you know that's and we can co-watch you because I know uh, you're Sounders. Yeah, that's that's right. (laughs) Sounders aren't playing. (laughs) Guys, let us talk some baseball, shall we? My, oh, my. Expanded playoff lineup with 12 teams and the Friday Night World Series opener among the highlights. It's exciting. Major League Baseball 2022 postseason schedule is out, and you can enjoy some of the great things going on. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Josh, especially throughout this year and leading up to this incredible year for the Mariners, has been really pulling for America's underdog team and this was a year to remember Josh right oh absolutely it's a legendary year we broke out of the longest drought in major sports in the U.S. 21 years since the last playoffs I was a young warthog the last time we went and thanks to that epic Cal the big dumper getting that home run man what a season it's been and a season where this team really came together really cared about each other and it's something that you can't help but be excited for because not only do we have a great young core we also swept toronto in the wild card series and to be honest we were about four at bats away from sweeping the astros i know we got swept 
But man, every single one of those games was a dogfight. And the Astros are dang lucky to get out of that. Yeah, they and were. We got great experience out of it for our young guys. And historic, and wasn't it, Josh? Think of how it was. Didn't that last game tie with the longest 18 innings? Longest playoff game of all time and longest 0-0 score of all time. I got you something, uh, Josh. Can you see this? Hey, there we go. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Now, Cal Raleigh, <laughs> speaking of that big. Uh oh. He's being considered for a Golden Glove, and I'm not a huge baseball follower, but is it pretty rare for a catcher to, to, to get a Golden Glove? No, they're done for. They have a Golden Glove for every defensive position on the field. Okay. So right. there's three finalists in each league. So defensively, though, that for this year, at least by this committee's reckoning, he as being considered as one of the top three catchers in the league and whether he wins it or not i don't even care that's that really is what he's most key addition to the team though is everybody gets excited about the home runs but what he did defensively what he as far as throwing out base runners being a threat behind the plate that way but probably most of all managing this pitching staff especially when you have two Logan Gilbert wasn't a rookie anymore, but he's a really young pitcher. George Kirby is a rookie. They had two other guys in the bullpen that were really key that were rookies as well, being Matt Brash and Andres Munoz. And here's this guy who's, I don't, Josh, was he officially a rookie still? No, it's not technically his rookie season. But pretty but much, for all yeah. intents and purposes, it was. And think about like his offensive stats, right? He, I think he ended close to like, 211, just above the Abendoz line. When he was first up, before he got sent down this year, he was batting like 067. It was right. It was awful. And he came back. Yeah, and, yeah. But the thing that you saw then, though, was that, like I think out of the four hits that he did, all of them were home runs Right. before he got <laughs> sent down. And then he comes back up and is just mashing the ball. Most home runs out of any pitcher in the league. Catcher. Uh, sorry, catcher. catcher in the <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have heard this, but the last two or three weeks of the season, including the postseason there, he was playing with a broken thumb. He had a broken thumb that they were treating between innings. He had a plate. And he took a He took a hit, uh, though. Took right? a foul tip yeah. off his glove hard enough to break the plastic thumb guard that they had in his glove. Shook it off and kept playing. For 18, for 18 innings. 18 that's just, innings that's of just work. crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's a rare feat. And the kid is just a great piece. He's one of the core guys here now. Like Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez. Now, I think this year we're all excited to figure out what's going to happen at two positions in particular. The outfield mm-hmm. and shortstop slash second base. We know J.P. Crawford's going to be here, but... It sounds like from comments from Jerry Depoto, sorry, not Jerry Depoto. That's Justin Hollander. Yeah, new GM. <laughs> yeah, they were. I guess Jerry Depoto. I think he yeah. might. I can't remember who, which one said it, but they were saying that they are willing to. They want to find a shortstop that'll move to second, but it's not guaranteed that they're going to keep JP at shortstop. So he may slide to second. Okay. So for that position, we have a couple of big openings. The two biggest, the two that I think would be the best for. For the Mariners, my favorite would be Trey Turner, who mm-hmm. is just a great speed guy. Very similar offensive numbers to Carlos Correa, while also having a lot of positional flexibility. He's played the outfield. He's played third. He's played shortstop. He can play second base, which it's like a straight upgrade over Adam Frazier, what he was for you this year, right? 
and he has a lot of speed. They do want to move Julio to batting second instead of first, where we'll see more fastballs, which, I mean, when you have the speed-power combo of him, he's built to be a number two hitter. You want someone in front of him so he can get the ribbies. Yeah. Uh, but you also want him to have that speed behind your bigger power bats that are going to try to swing for a double because he can go first to home uh, as good as anyone else in the league, probably better. <laughs> he's one of the top speed guys in the league. Yeah, the and thing- the Mariners have had, I mean, they have some real speed demons that have joined the ranks, and that's a lot of what propelled them through this season i'm looking i know you've got to be way looking forward to next year because i think we're i think we're on to something and plus next year i wanted to get your thoughts on this josh and the other guys next year we're going to see some major changes in major league baseball you and i were talking about some of them when we caught a one of the mariners actually mariners last regular season game josh and that's um some changes with the pitching clock, with a robo ump, and with a bit of, with crowding being now going to be a thing of the past. Yeah, so a lot of exciting changes that are happening, and ones that I really like because they bring small ball back a little bit into it. Small ball is with the shift and with advanced analytics and things. It's just been really hard for it to be successful. In this day and age, the closest we've seen is actually the Cleveland Guardians, who just got eliminated by the New York Yankees. They're a small ball team. They hit the ball above average. As a team, they hit for 267. But man, all of their games are like one run, two run. They just, they've not been able to really get the runs driven in. This will help that a little bit. And you still always want your home run hitters. You always want your Eugenio Suarez. You need the good vibes. You need the power bats in your lineup, but more of that small ball. So the first thing for it is increased base size. That's bigger than you might think. They're like, what, they increase the bases a few inches? Well, a lot of outs on stealing the bases or those things are out by inches. It's a real, it's a game of inches, just like any professional sports game. That will absolutely help. But also... You think it's not it's slightly shorter distance, sure, but it's also a bigger area. So when you're stealing a base, you have a larger area you can try to slide to or get to to get to the base so it's not as easily blocked by the defender. So it gives those runners a lot more of a chance. The pitch clock, I haven't watched a minor league game with it. But yet. it seems to have uh, been working. But- I have. I've watched a bit of that, and it seems to have been working. It really, I mean, it takes, what, 20 seconds off of each, uh, uh, on average, each time the pitcher is getting ready to throw the ball. And it really can't, all of those things, like you said, it's a game of inches. It's a game of minutes, too. Ball can be really long. It was freaking marathon for that last Mariners game. That... (laughs) It, you got to think about this. They stopped serving. Just, just imagine if that. Just imagine if that eighteen inning. And part of that eighteen inning game was that it was so well pitched. There were hardly any walks. There was like. Yeah, like, it could have been much longer. It could have been, been hours longer. But guys, <laughs> these are people. You went in there like in the morning, going into the yeah. game, basically in the morning. They stopped serving food and drink at the seventh inning. So you watched essentially two baseball games and you're getting hungry. You're getting thirsty. There's no food. There's no water. There's nothing. They got to rethink that. So anything you could do to, to shorten them to like the sixth inning. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't walk away. I know, right? 
<laughs> How do you do that? You just can't. So it, we're going to see some good changes, the pitching clock, and one of the biggest frustrations, especially being a Seattle girl and watching the Mariners. There were some really nasty calls. Oh, my gosh, that last game, it was like the umpire had a blind spot, especially for left-handed picture, pitchers down there at the lower left, and it, it, he just couldn't see it. And there were times where it was just a bad call. Drive you nuts, Josh? Yeah, no, certainly. The RoboUmp will be a good change. It's always good when it's not up to the human element of error of whether or not it was. <laughs> look at the last game, 18-inning game, right? They won by one run, one home run. If you look at the pitching score, it was <laughs> the or the umps, umpire scorecard, it was .63 runs in favor of the Astros that <laughs> they gave them, which pretty impactful in an 18 inning yeah. one run game yeah that's basically the victory right there i know it wasn't it was the home run but it could have been at any point like i said it was one at bat away every all three of those games were one at bat away the first game to the ump's credit was really well called he did miss a couple but for the most part he was right on it with his strike zone so that's huge the time clock from all like i from jeff passen is a big national media voice he said a little while ago that it is, it's like baseball of the 80s. It's great. People are getting the ball out. And it's actually another move that helps the runners because attached to that, so it's 15 seconds with no one on base, 20 seconds with people on base. In and at bat, you can only move to first base a total of three times. You can't try to throw the runner out over and over again. Thank God. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that really, gets monotonous. About, oh. <laughs> hate it. Uh, you only get one freebie to try to pick them off, right? Because once you start, once you get a second one in, once you try to pick them up a second time and you fail, then you have, if you do it again, like you have one chance then, right? Three times you're out. If you you do it the third time, you have no more chances. And you're basically guaranteeing they get a steal. So you get one freebie and after that, the pressure's on. So you can't just keep tossing the first. That's good. I think that's going to be fun. Garrick, what do you say? He's on mute, so he's not saying much. And all we're seeing is his happy, smiling face there. So maybe we'll maybe, maybe we'll get Garrick over. later. I'm not I sure. Oh, I'm there you are. My car at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. We get it. We're just glad you're with us, man. Well, uh, other you know, baseball. Oh, go ahead, my friend. We've been talking a lot about baseball, and I want. A whole episode to talk about the World Cup in a couple of weeks, okay? Oh, you got it. You got it. Another baseball story. Yankees manager Aaron Boone says the Houston's open roof killed them. He was blaming the loss on the open roof. I just thought that was funny. But I want to move on to a little foot and mouth disease in sports. Foot and mouth disease. Oh, we're talking about the Angel Witch? <laughs> yeah, there's oh, quite shoot. a few times people put their foot in their mouth. Josh, go ahead. The Danger Witch, is that what we're talking about? There's a few of them, so that's one of them. We're going to Russell Wilson, right? Oh, no, that's next. That's the king of foot and mouth right there. But there's a couple of them, like Troy Aikman last week, actually, with take off the dresses comment, and he said, yeah, that's misogynistic. He was really talking about in football. Uh, some of the excessive plays in protecting the quarterback. And he said, yeah, it's time we take the dresses off. I'm a woman, and I actually found that comment just fine. I'm a woman who plays sports and loves sports. And I will tell you, in no uncertain terms, I played football, I've played baseball, I've played volleyball, I've played quite a few sports, and none of them have I ever played with a dress. I think it's perfectly appropriate to say it's time to take off the dress, 
get rid of the high heels and get ready for the game. I think it's a perfectly acceptable phrase. So I didn't have a problem with it. How about you misogynistic guys? Did you? <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never been more offended in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Considering we have more guys wearing dresses now. I... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's maybe no one would have said anything if it worked for that. And then there's the McEnroe who was saying of Serena Williams that she's the best female player ever, no question. But if she played on the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. And he said, now I'm going to have to buy her 700 roses to make up for it. Was that out of line, Garrick? Let's ask you, Garrick, because all we see is your smiley face. I want to hear you on your way to the airport. Probably standing in the security line. I'm standing in, in the line to check in, but <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> nice haircut, by the way. Thank you. Are we talking about transgender sports now? Serena Williams, actually. <laughs> yeah. Really, would she be 700 in the men? I that's I think it's an interesting comment because it's really saying that women don't play at the same level that men do. And there's a reason there's a woman's side of the sport and there's a male side of the sport. I would and agree I think for it a is, lot of sports, but I don't know about tennis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you could argue the number. 700 Definitely. seems like hyperbole, but yeah. she's, not, she's not winning a men's tour event. Yes. Yeah, there's... Yeah, it is a different game altogether. But when Billie Jean King played Bobby Riggs back in the 1970s, I think that there's been a lot actually of conversation about that recently in terms of the whole thing with transgender sports and all that. So yeah, I think uh, there's absolutely a difference. And that's, as you said, that's why we have men's and women's sports. Yeah, I would think that tennis is actually a sport where a woman could match up to a man a lot better than a lot of other sports. Yeah. It's not a contact sport. Women can be just as quick on their feet as men. Strength matters, but not necessarily as much as tennis. A lot of times it's more feel. And agility. Is, yeah, feel and agility than strength. So I would imagine that she would still be top, maybe not quite as good. Like maybe she's not top, but I think she would be a top tier player still if it was mixed. I think that one in particular is a bad comparison to make with that skill set. You know, yeah. what it is for men versus women, what those biological differences are. I think a woman could match up very well to a man in most cases. And it's for me, it's we have to be so careful. I think there is a place where we need to be professional and try not to say stupid things or absolutely off the top rude things, despairing things. But sometimes we go so far at the cancel culture that we're offended over everything. But then there is, as Josh brought up, things that are just proverbial foot and mouth. And Russell Wilson has really been coming under fire. Now, he had a dangerous subway ad that was on TikTok and people have gone absolutely crazy, relentlessly crazy. mocking how cringy it was and the bad timing of playing this danger Russ when he really isn't doing so well. He leads the NFL in the worst offense in the first six weeks. I want to show you guys not the actual original ad, but the original ad that he put mockingly online. And I'm telling you, this I this was really funny, if not a little offensive to poor Russ. But hey, you want to put the subway sandwich? It is my signature sandwich. It's called the Danger Witch. 
and it's dangerously good. That is dangerous. <laughs> I've done something like that too. I won't tell anybody. Listen, one time. <laughs> never mind. That's too dangerous. Anyways. Oh man! <laughs> Sorry, that's enough. It's enough. But it is really funny because look, Russ does not. Ha- he's not Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is hilarious. He really knows how to be funny, not take himself too seriously. He's just great at it. Russ just isn't. He's a little corn dog, and uh, he doesn't know how to embrace it. And we've also seen a, a lot of his ex teammates kind of say, "Yeah, he's a little robotic. Maybe sometimes he comes off as in." authentic in that way he doesn't realize things are really bad where does his element of faith and keep believing meet hey reality is setting in and maybe you have to reevaluate some stuff guys yeah russ has really come under fire in in recent weeks and his play has been a big part of it the funny thing was when denver got him we were hearing from all kinds of fans and media personality about how Oh, you guys complain about his corn, like whatever. He's a, a top tier quarterback. Uh, yeah, they let Russ cook. They suddenly care a lot about the corn. I suddenly think that it's too much. Oh yeah, uh, they came. They were yeah. They were complaining about the uh, Seattle booing him in the Denver Broncos game in the first home game for the Seahawks, game. and then they're booing him. The, the next one, poor Russ. And, walking out at, before overtime starts because they're <laughs> sick of it, and it's it's hard. I think that he has put too much trying to be something he's not is the crux of the issue here, right? That's it. He really wants to be, he wants to think that he is a pocket passer and he can do that okay, but he's calling the shots there. They, by the accounts of Denver media, they said that the off season, the the practices and everything was glamping. They were out there. They weren't really playing hard, whatever, which come on, first time in this system as a QB, first time head coach, you got to go harder than that. He is deciding what he wants the offense to be. It sounds like Michael Hackett is just like his puppet, you know, his puppet coach down there because he wants to do the offense he wanted to, the offense that Pete Carroll wouldn't let him do. Turns out Pete Carroll actually knows how to get the best out of Russell Wilson. Is Russell Wilson a bad quarterback? No. Russell Wilson is an extremely talented quarterback, but he needs to work in the right system. He needs to play to his strengths in order to be a great quarterback. And I think he's out of his depth and he's had a lot of these cringy moments and we will take a moment of silence to mourn the death of let's ride uh, <laughs> after the last game. He no longer gave the sad Broncos country. Let's ride. We didn't get that this time. I think he finally figured out. Yeah, that's a bad look. Oh, and Josh, what about like on the player side? Yeah. Boo, Russ, you said that Seattle sucks. You said that you put the franchise on your back. Yeah, that sucks. You sucked. said that we don't want to win or we don't know how to win, and you're going to a city that does. Yeah. Um, that hasn't turned out. But on the human side of it, I do feel for him. Yes. And so does Marshawn Lynch. He was talking with Richard Sherman about this, and he said, yeah, he wants to reach out to Doug, but as yeah, they pointed out, manager. yeah, you, have to, yeah, you don't get his number. You got to talk through his manager. And I think that has often been downfall, as you saw the decline of Russell Wilson, even starting in Seattle. It really had to do more a lot with image, being something that he's not. When he is Russ, I know the corn dog works. It's charming and it's genuine and it's real but when you try to be superstar russ the husband wife power couple and the multi-million dollar this it just doesn't it just doesn't come off yeah 
and can I say too, like some of the other criticisms about him, like they've been really harsh because he has not built relationships like you need to in the locker room or with media members. We heard, I, th- I think it was Rich, I forget who exactly said it, but he was saying how it, like some of the events for the NFL, like people like Aaron Rodgers will come in and all the big name players come in and they greet everyone. Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Russell Wilson and Sierra walk in with their sunglasses on and just hold their hands up like no questions. Yeah, they're bigger than this. Yeah, I think that he's let his fame get to his head too much. I think that he he's thinking too much about him. And I know he still says the right thing sometimes about to God be the glory and all that. But his actions are bringing him the glory. What is his legacy? Oh, and that's that's so hard for all of us. And it's awful when your life plays out on in front of millions and millions of people. But Pastor Garrick, you've pastored lots of people. And you know that oftentimes, as much as we love Jesus, sometimes we put ourselves on the throne instead of God and it can get awkward. Smile at me yeah, if you agree. Very easy to do. And hang on, I'm going through security. Uh oh. About to get felt up by TSA over there, so we got to give them a minute. <laughs> it's okay. Just smile at me if you agree. It's good. No, it's human nature, isn't it? We're all human and we're all susceptible. And if we think we're not, then if we're put in a situation, we always like to think that we have an idea of how we might respond in that particular situation. But until you're in it, you really don't know. And so that's, uh, you would hope though, that we can all learn from these types of things and these types of experiences when we see others. So that if we are faced with that type of thing, we might respond a little bit differently. And, And going back to what you said, Josh, in terms of how he responds and he has the right answers. Some of his former teammates have criticized him for being robotic in his answers. He just has the has the canned response, and so that's hard. It's you kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think one of the things that if you're if you're not famous, you don't understand how isolating fame actually can be. Yeah, tell us um, about that because we aren't. So we want to know how you yeah, feel. We're, we're not, and I, <laughs> I've never been famous, but I just have seen people. Are you kidding? You're the author of an awesome book. You're famous. Come on. (laughs) I think you become much more conscious of what you want people to see and much more cautious about letting people see what garbage is actually really going on in your life. Yeah, but garbage has a way of finding you. That's just look at look what Tom Brady's going through right now. I that's real. His all of a sudden stuff happens and you can't hide it anymore. And when your wife leaves you and you've got lawyers, everyone's going to find out. And I think with Russ, I think the more he has cultivated his fame, it started with playing well on the field, the marketing and the goofy stuff online and stuff. It created an image. And now behind that, who knows what's going on? He has not been under this intense criticism, like constantly at any point not like this yeah the super bowl loss was hard but it was one thing that people talked about incessantly but now it's like every week it's what's wrong with you, wrong with you? <laughs> i know it is pretty and you're, you do feel for him bad. on that level 
And I hope Marshawn does get through the manager and be able, is able to connect with him. Marshawn Lynch, by the way, is going to be part of Amazon Prime's Thursday Night Football, giving an insight into the cities that he's at. I know he's going to be on a leash because if you listen to Marshawn, I don't, or, or there's going to be a lot of editing, but I think it's going to be great because there's few people in the world who are as genuine and see things as they are and is who not afraid to be himself as Marshawn. A couple other news stories. Dak Prescott. Cowboys is dropping some hints at retirement. Christian McCaffrey, a big trade with the 49ers. Anyone want to weigh in on those? I think the 49ers, uh, they're definitely going for it now. It's odd that you say that when you have this whole bizarre quarterback situation that they've gone through early in the season where Jimmy Garoppolo was on the outs. He wasn't even practicing with the team. And all of a sudden, two games into the season, he's the starter again. But yeah. Shanahan has always depended on having a really strong running game. And he's the 49ers have always managed to be a formidable running team, even when they had no names at running back. Now they've got like one of the three biggest names in the league as their bell cow running back, which will make Jimmy Garoppolo much more effective. And their defense is, when well, their defense is healthy, it's as good as anyone's. I think they looked around and saw, look, our division isn't that strong. The NFC isn't that strong. Uh, who needs draft choices? Let's get McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And while we still have Garrick in our final moments here, in the soccer world, there's been some big news. For the World Cup, Qatar's hiring three at least another third cruise ship as a floating hotel in anticipation of all the people. But who won't be there? More than 1,300 fans have been banned from the World Cup by the UK Home Office from England and Wales. And these are supporters with a history of soccer-related violence. And there's a reason. Sports has been really dangerous as of last week it has been in the past but last week was crazy for spectators there was a fan that died in argentina match and it was because he was trampled and there was excessive and indiscriminate use of tear gas but then there was the indonesia fatal soccer stampede at the first of the month and they say this week they said that those 130 people died because uh the tear gas, they couldn't breathe. They were struggling to get out of the stadium. That whole stadium is going to be torn down and rebuilt according to FIFA standards. But that's crazy when sports is dangerous. You think of concussions, you think of injuries. But when it's maybe fatal because you're a fan, that's where it gets weird, Garrick. I really want to commend the British Home Office for what they've done and it's gotten to be now where you start to recognize when there are people who are consummate troublemakers and you have to, you have to be proactive about it. And so the, the world that we live in is increasingly dangerous. And especially when it comes to these types of major events, um, just can't be too careful. And people uh, are out of control. You know, we see it on social media and it plays out in the sports realm. I've shared often going and seeing the Kraken that there are people who are either, you said something like, go back to Canada. Oh, my God, you're racist. Okay. Or <laughs> the last game, seriously, we sit at bar seats and they're easy to walk up at. 
inevitably people are sitting in our seats and you have to say, hey, this is our seats. You can't sit here. Or you walk to, to go get a drink and someone's already trying to sit in your seat and you're like, dude, this is our seat paid for and everything. Made someone so mad they came back and threw beer and junk all over our seats. No kidding. People are just out of control. And that's minor. No one's going to die from that. But this is indicative of the way people have been behaving. And it's getting out of control. What do we do? Let's get to the God story, folks, as we wind up today. Yeah? Oh, what do we do? Yeah, thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Well. That's a tough one. Right. When you think about it from perspective of faith, and I think this is one of the issues that a lot of people have with people of faith is that they behave one way at one time and behave another way at another time. You want your life to be consistent so that how you are and and how you live is in such a way that's consistent with what you believe as well. And so I think people of faith are held to a higher standard and we should be. And I know that my faith comes into challenge all the time when I'm on the soccer field and someone cuts me down or <laughs> makes a really bad foul against me. And and words have flown from my mouth that I probably wouldn't be speaking from the pulpit. It That is part of human being human, and that's part of our grace as well and how you respond. I was in a game one time, and this player, he threatened me. Literally, he threatened me. And... Uh, and there was a big hoo-ha because there was an incident that took place on the other part of the field that I wasn't involved in. And he was their manager and he was yelling. And so I yelled back at him and then he threatened me. And I've known this guy and we've played against him many times. And so at halftime, I walked over to him and I extended my hand to him. He took my hand, he shook it, and it was over. And so in that situation, it turned out okay. I chose to take the high road. He was a jerk. Being a jerk, I didn't (laughs) say he's a jerk, but he's being a jerk. And and I could have been justified by walking over and spitting on him. I chose not to. But what's the point? It's a game. In the end, it's a game. And there's that analogy for life. What's the point? Life is of taking it that seriously, really. That's where we have to step back while the rest of the world is getting angry, threatening, and going off the rails. Can we take the higher road? Can we take the way of faith? That's what we're called to do. And that brings us to our final shot where we go around the table and we talk about someone we'd like to give a shout out. Final shot. All right. My final shot, I I wanted to end with faith. We gave Russell Wilson a little bit of razzing today, and maybe it's well worth it. I don't know. But I will say that as a brother in Christ, if he keeps to what he preaches, he's going to come out on top eventually. And this is what he had to say. He said some good things. And, he's talking about Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn, man, he's a guy that I can always, he's always been amazing just how he's gone about things and how he's been such an um, amazing competitor, one of the best people I've ever played with, been in the backfield with, obviously. I've always looked up to him ever since being a young rookie and he put his arm around me in the back of the bus and we'd talk about ball and everything else. So 
I mean, I, a guy like that, he's one of the greatest of all time to do it. And the fact that he's always looking out is a positive thing. I think for me, you just stay focused on the task. Stay focused on your worship. Stay focused on, for me personally, just stay focused on my worship every day, just being out here. And that's really where I wanted to end it. You got to be focused on your worship. And that was the Russ Wilson that we all knew and loved, that genuine human connection, not superstar Russ, but the Russ that gets on his knees and worships. So the Russ that gets on his knees after the game whether you win or whether you lose the genuine person get back to the real person get back to the real stuff that's something we all need to do that's my final shot garrick in light of and in honor of my my weekend journey to arizona to casa grande i'm going to give my final shot to all the weekend and weeknight warriors yeah <laughs> people who when i'm at my soccer games my wife says oh he's at his therapy session <laughs> because it really it allows you to clear your head it allows you to stay in shape i'll be in a year and a half i'll be 60 <laughs> and i'm really no, happy to still no, be no, no. playing soccer <laughs> on a competitive level and, and having fun and enjoying it. And I know there are a lot of people like that. And we play for the love of the game. And so my final shot goes to, yeah. to all the recreational athletes out there across the world. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Brent, your final shot. Mine is the shout out to the backyard to the big time. So the Nola brothers, Austin and Aaron Nola, uh, they got to be the first set of brothers to face off against each other like mano a mano in a playoff series so austin is a catcher for the padres and actually played in seattle for a while and aaron is a pitcher for the phillies and they have played against each other before but but, not like this but not like this there have been brothers that have played on opposing teams but never pitcher to hitter is that crazy um, and you know what that's got to be t- you could give the final shot to those guys but i give the final shot to their parents it was fun listening to his dad basically they talked about i think it was fun for him during the game but beforehand i don't think it was fun <laughs> in the game the other day where they it was a split decision because aaron got austin to ground out the first time and the second time up Austin got an RBI single off that really ignited the game-winning rally for the Padres. But that's a cool story. It, it is. It reminds me of when Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. got to play together for the Mariners and homered back-to-back yeah. back in 1990, I think it was. There's stuff like that when you know you're seeing something really special that may never happen again. That was something. I was young, but boy, I got to see that game. That was something (laughs) else. Guys, hey, thanks for your time today. Thank you for watching, listening, and being part of the action. We want to encourage you to find that box for For more fun, go to mymichellelive.com.